everyone, and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, episode... Oh man, I should really start paying attention. 30-something. 34, apparently. Field of Dreams. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And as always, we're joined by our lovely music producer and George Martin of the group, Austin Ray. Hello, Austin. Hello, everyone. Very, very pleasant. Um, So if you've never heard this show, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. There's also going to be some uh, news, banter, some terrible impressions, some even worse songs, and a whole host of hilarious back-and-forth shenanigans. Um, So before we kickstart the main bulk of the show, let's start things off, guys, with a little bit of news. And hang on. (laughs) <laughs> I think nice. that's my favourite nice. <laughs> yeah. by far. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so uh, what we do here is we all go around in a circle and we talk about the um, topics that have piqued our interest this week in the news. So, without further hesitation, Dave, what is your piece of news for the week? Oh, it's just something I picked up on before. What's everyone's opinion on musicians going into acting? Uh, it depends. Are yeah. we talking about Roger Daltrey or are we talking about uh, who's a good one? David Bowie. David Bowie. Bowie was, Bowie was quite good. Bowie was quite good. I don't know how this one's going to work out. This is a new one on me. There's a Western being made. Uh, it's going to be called Paradox, starring Neil Young. Yeah. I don't know what to make of this one. So, yeah, Neil Young is going to be starring in a Western called Paradox. He's also going to be doing the music for it. It's also going to star Willie Nelson and a lot of actors I haven't heard of, admittedly. But, um, so yeah, it's just a bit of a, there's another musician going to try his hand at acting quite late in the game as well, for that matter. Well, a bit like Paul McCartney in Pirates of the Caribbean 5. Yeah, we all could have done without that one, though, <laughs> couldn't we? I mean, Saying that, though, I didn't realise that that wasn't Paul McCartney's main big starring role. I mean, obviously, you've got the Beatles films, mm. but my friend came around the other day and he showed me a film called um, something, Give My Regards to Broad Street. And really? Yeah, if you've never seen it, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> it is awful. It is really, really bad. Ringo's in it, everybody's in it, and it's literally... And when was it made? Um, uh, I'm going to say the the early 80s. Yeah, but uh, if if it's anything like that, then no. I'd say leave it to the professionals. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to watch it because I really like Neil Young's music. And if he's done the score, then I'm in. He's so, done the score. And you, you know, like westerns as well, I one do of your favourite genres. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love them. But I'd, I'd have no hopes of it being an, actually a good film. Like, yeah. Have you ever watched any of Bob Dylan's films? No, I haven't actually. He, he gets big A-listers in to play in these films. And they are they are awful, but they're kind of oddly watchable because I like Bob Dylan so much. Yeah. So I'll watch them, but it's not going to be a, yeah. a classic film. I don't know what to think. Yeah, some musicians, most musicians I'd say actually don't, act particularly well some of them do i mean share won an oscar i thought tom waits has actually had quite a good acting career you know so you never know should share have won an oscar you know what i've never seen moonstruck never seen it so i can't comment but uh yeah we'll never say well time will tell is is neil young should neil young have come to acting years ago has he missed his calling Hmm. (laughs) um yeah maybe maybe not um (laughs) joel what is your piece of news for the week uh, well, <clears throat> I just saw this piece on a website. Basically, says Cloverfield Four takes place in World War Two. Filming is finished already, and I just thought, have I missed Cloverfield Three? <laughs> um, but apparently, they've already finished filming Cloverfield Four before Cloverfield Three has. They finished out. film. What's so Cloverfield? Uh, Cloverfield three. Four is completed in terms of filming. Obviously, Three um, is out kind of this year, I think. 
Um, but yeah, I like Cloverfield. I, I enjoyed the original, and then obviously Cloverfield Lane, I thought was great as well. Um, but I just thought it was a bit weird to to film and finish filming number four when they've already done number three. Although kind of films like Lord of the Rings and stuff did that film no all in one go. Yeah, what yeah, happens the fourth before the third? Yeah, what happens if Cloverfield three tanks at the box office? Um, they, some question. executive is getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, maybe it's like because Cloverfield two wasn't technically supposed to be part of Cloverfield, was it? it was, so it was written, and then the guys sent it off to J.J. Abrams as like, a, what do you reckon of our film? Would you be a producer? And he said, yeah, actually, yeah. And I'll tie it in with the Cloverfield mythos. Mm. Um, so, so maybe it's like that. Maybe some other guy has, has done the same thing. And J.J. Abrams has gone, yeah, I love that. I'm going to have that as fourth Cloverfield because I'm already in the middle of filming Cloverfield 3. Or maybe it was just like a Super Mario thing where they had another film and he said, let's just screw it Cloverfield, yeah. Hey, Super Mario Brothers podcast episode is one of our highest rated so far. <laughs> for some odd, odd reason. Uh, it's just because I wasn't there. And Austin, <laughs> uh, have you seen any of the Cloverfield films? No, not even one. Of course not. Uh, okay, <laughs> so uh, Alex, what is your piece of news for this week? Uh, my piece of news is that... Um, there's a new Harry Potter film coming out, Fantastic Beasts 2, and um, there's a bit of a controversy about it because J.K. Rowling came out after the books and said that Albus Dumbledore was gay, and she's written this story about him and the wizard Grindelwald having a relationship, and, you know, that's kind of a part of the story is that they're, you know, they're lovers. But in the film, the director's come out ahead and said they're not actually explicitly going to have that in the film, that... They are a couple. I think he said it's going to be implicit in it, but it's not actually going to be an explicit part of the story, which has got a sort of split opinion a little bit. But I think the main thing is, in in a way, it's quite a nice story because there's a lot of young people saying, why are you not having him a gay character? What's the reason not to? To which no one's got an answer. Do you think it's a case of the, the producer's fearing that if they have a, a gay character in the film, then some people aren't going to come and watch it. I mean, I, those fears might be just as well. You know, that there is, that, that does, you know... It, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's, I know it, in certain aspects, you see films like this come out in America and people say, oh yeah, it's not appropriate to be in a kid's film. Yeah. These are the same people that would say, you know, witchcraft is an, appro- is an appropriate content no, no, for a kids' film. So I don't think it really matters one way or another. If you're making a film about magic and witchcraft, you could include this. Oh, you know, no, definitely. You're not going to alienate anyone you haven't already alienated. So I no. don't see the harm. No, me neither. I mean, I, I, even if it does alienate people, they should do it anyway. Mm. But I, think- I, was, I was talking to you the other day. Um, so I just think it's, it's ridiculous that... So far, I can't think of one Hollywood blockbuster film where there's been a gay character and their sexuality hasn't been, you know, a big aspect of the film. You know, well, did you in Star Trek Beyond, Star Trek Three? They had this big, they had this big thing, didn't they? Where Sulu, there's this moment. Oh in the yeah, film yeah, yeah. Where he had a husband, yeah. So there's a husband, but it was very passing, and uh, yeah, and it was it caused a bit of controversy again, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 difficult. I just don't think it should be. It should just be explicit and not a big not a big deal. I just I just don't understand. I watched um, Godzilla the other day, and it was it it, it wasn't great. But um, Mary Kate, no, no, sorry, Mary Kate Ashley, isn't it? No, it is, it's Elizabeth. Elizabeth Olsen yeah. is in it, and she was playing, um, you know, um, the, the wife. 
and her character was ridiculously two-dimensional. It was like paper thin. And then at the end, there was obviously this big embrace because they hadn't seen each other for a while. I was just thinking, it just wouldn't it be nice for just once if it was just a gay couple and it wasn't like a thing that you know, yeah, like they're, they're gay. gay. It's just, hey, you know what? It's normal. You know, yeah. it's. But that, that's what I mean. That's what's nice about this story. That's what seems to be a lot of the comments are saying. Yeah, but but but, but, but then they've got the opportunity to do that, and then yeah. they're choosing knowingly to not do it. I think it's a bit of a shame because when J.K. Rowling did make the announcement that Albus Dumbledore was gay, this big iconic character in her series, the fans embraced it. Yeah. They really did embrace it. They were all for it. You know, they were right behind it. It's kind of a bit of an insult to the to, the, to this this character that doesn't exist, I know, but it's just, it's a shame. Yeah. It really is. Ozzy, have you read any of the Harry Potter books? I actually read all. Holy all shit. Yeah, oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, rephrase it. Have you watched any of the Harry Potter films? No. Right, okay. <laughs> no, I, I have seen, uh, I think I've seen, I think I've seen them all. And I've been to, I've been to the Warner Brothers studio. Have you? Yeah, I've been to Butterworld. Yeah. Really, it's really good, actually. I'd, yeah. I'd recommend it. And I think it's even better now. Um, just recently, they've opened up even more sets. So It's got a big following, hasn't it? So that Harry Potter's like a big major thing. Well, that's it. So if, if Warner Brothers <laughs> want to sponsor us, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, just one quick one about Harry Potter still. Uh, the, the sequel, uh, what do people think of the casting of Johnny Depp? I know there's, there's, there's well, a lot I mean, of controversy it, with the, that. The, the only worst decision would be to cast Jude Law as Albus Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, I don't mind. I don't mind either way. Oh, so be it. Uh, but moving on, I want to talk about my piece of news of the week, which is uh, Tom Cruise is reportedly leaving Scientology or in discussions to leave Scientology um, because he wants to spend more time with his daughter. So uh, reportedly, uh, he hasn't had much contact with his daughter since he separated from um, Katie. Uh, oh my god Holmes. Holmes. I was going to say Hopkins for a minute then <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Honestly, I feel like I need to douse myself with holy water um, no, with, with uh, Katie Holmes uh, in 2012 so they haven't had much contact and he wants to get closer to his daughter and reportedly Katie Holmes has said well the only way you're going to be able to get closer is if you leave the religion so he's strongly considering leaving Scientology for his daughter uh, now the, a lot of people are saying oh well if he does Scientology I mean if he leaves them, he is their main beneficiary. He's He's been contributing X amount of his wages since the 90s. They're not going to let him go without a fight. More than that, he's their poster boy as well. Exactly. And and they said they've probably got enough dirt on him um, to absolutely bury him if they wanted to. So the rumours are... Just, just like a good religion should. <laughs> <laughs> But, well, you know, because I think because he's very, very high up, that if he were to leave and he were to kind of reveal what goes on, because there's always documentaries and there's always rumours. And I was just going to say, did you see the uh, Louis Theroux yeah. uh, documentary? It was uh, really yeah. weird. So Very odd, isn't it? Very yeah, odd. I'd, I'd worry for his safety. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, Tom Cruise, like Scientology, has these... Um, almost like courses and you pay for like each one and after each one you complete you get like a rank up and i'm pretty sure tom tom cruise has done them all he spent like he spent like you know hundreds of thousands of pounds doing all the different courses i'm pretty sure he's like you know like a grandmaster type of thing or whatever well um so the, the rumor is that he's trying to reach an amicable split with the church where he signs a disclosure where he doesn't comment on anything that goes on behind the scenes and they won't reveal any uh, shenanigans or reveal any uh, of the of 
past or whatever he might have been up to. Not to say that he has been up to anything, but you know. But really no one comes out of this looking particularly good. It's like <laughs> there's, there's secrets on both sides here and they're going to sign a waiver. So now they'll disclose. Exactly. Anything. But so how do you think Scientology can recover from this? If Tom Cruise does leave, do you reckon they, there'll be a domino they, effect where other celebrities will leave? I'm pretty sure still that got they quite are, are like extremely well off. I believe they are like, you know, like I just said, then they, they offer those courses, but they're like extortionate in terms of prices. And because all their followers are like almost fanatical about Scientology, they pay that money. And I'm pretty sure they have a shit ton yeah, of money. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about Scientology. Yeah. They, this isn't a knockout blow for them. They've well, they still got Jason Lee. Don't worry about them. And, and Elizabeth Moss as well. I know. That, mm. that one really... Uh, yeah, really, really surprising that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, so anyway, uh, Austin, what are your views on Scientology? I'm, uh, I'm all for it. As long as they don't hurt anyone, you can think whenever you want. That's true. <laughs> Good stuff. It's always it's always nice to get Ozzy on the mic, isn't it? Okay. The voice of reason. <laughs> so, uh, thank you very, very much, everyone, for the news. I cut, sorry, I, cut, I just lost it. I bottled it. Then. <laughs> I had so much success the first time, I just completely bottled it. Anyway, um, so... Hello everyone, this uh, episode is Field of Dreams, and as I was saying earlier, if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film out of a hat at random and we put it on trial. Uh, this week is Field of Dreams, the baseball classic, and um, also the roles that we do are taken out at random as well. So, in the role of prosecution, it's going to be Captain Dave, and his job is to try and condemn the film to the shit list in the role of defense is going to be brucey who is going to be trying to place the film on the hit list then there's also going to be joel as the character witness who's going to be giving his genuine opinion throwing a bit of weight behind each side of the argument and then in the role of the judge is going to be me and my job is to decide which list the film should go on based solely on the arguments that are put to me and not use my own opinion. So, without further hesitation, would you guys like a bit of a synopsis? Yes. Yeah, please. I've got, I know what I want you to do. Oh, I, you know what? I haven't seen Field of Dreams in so long. I've got it. No, don't worry. What is it? James Hill Jones. <laughs> oh my god that's a hard one to do that's very hard why not why not do you know because shoeless joe was from south carolina so why not do what ray liotta did and do a bronx accent <laughs> james l jones <laughs> i'm gonna go with the first one that was put to me james l jones okay right it's gonna be very very hard um an Iowa corn farmer hearing just, foot. It's just very deep, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, that's, that's James Earl Jones. It's very deep and soothing. Hang on, I'll see if I can go deeper. It's got to be deep and quick. Okay. An Iowa f- corn farmer hearing voices interprets them as a command to build a baseball. You sound like an alien off Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> In his field. You sound like the giant head off Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> He does, and the 1919 Chicago White Sox come. That was, a, that was a bad. That was not bad. It, it wasn't it, good though. One either, of the most, it was pretty bad. For one of the most distinctive voices in Hollywood, <laughs> that was not bad. <laughs> right. Okay. Without further hesitation, I'm going to pass it to myself as the judge. So you got to be nice to me, guys, because the, all of this is going to be contributing to my final decision. So <laughs> that's, that's not right. <laughs> Judges shouldn't do that. Well. Okay. Right. Um. So. I think I'm going to start off with the defense 
So okay. the defence, what is your first point? So my first point I'd like to talk about uh, would just be the uh, cast I think I'd like to talk about. Just a, just a quick, quick, quick little thing. Gav started off introducing this film by saying it's a baseball classic. I would say yes, it's about baseball, but I wouldn't say this is particularly a baseball film. This is a, a this is a family film. This is a, a film about dreams and aspirations, which has baseball in it as well. But I wouldn't particularly say it's just baseball film. Uh, this film can't go on the shit list. It's too original. It's a completely original idea, and it's you can sort of forget how original. You know, it, this is a classic film that people think about. A film about someone building a base. You know, building a base where ghosts turn up and play base. It's really, really, it's, it's iconic. It's completely, within film history, it's got a firm place as being just just an absolute classic. And it, and, and it does that because of the way it deals with a range of issues really, really sensitively. And the main way they, they can do this is with what I just think is one of them, the most beautifully balanced cast. It's not just that everyone doing their performances is, is good in this film. It's the way they work together. It's just absolutely perfect. Um, so it starts where Ray, Kevin Costner's uh, character Ray, is dealing with a midlife, kind of a midlife crisis. Really, he's grown up. He's you know he's he's got a family now. He's got he's got a kid, and he's got you know he's got this farm, and but he doesn't really know where he's going. Doesn't really know what he's doing next, particularly. And he's sort of a, a little bit of a lost bit of ennui, uh, which normally is a bit of a midlife crisis, bit of a comic thing, but it's dealt with really sensitively here. And um, like he like kevin costner plays it so well because he's he's just quiet and determined he's got a bit of humor to him as well but kevin costner's perfect for this because he doesn't overstate it this you know he's got these fantasies about building a baseball field in his garden in sorry in his farm and that, that you know he could sound a bit manic he could sound a bit crazy but actually it 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 works because he's quiet and determined throughout the entire thing um as well as, as as he's kind of just quiet getting through it, his wife's actually really energetic. So is it um, Amy uh, Madigan? Madigan plays it absolutely perfect. So she bounces off Kevin Costner by having like this lovely scene, having a great, um, being really energetic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I... <laughs> You two are on your phone and you two are watching a match. We are listening, man, but just we're, 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 we're just easing got, into, our, into your world. I was actually listening. No, no, I, I, I could tell you were listening, but literally, no one. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like the weirdest fucking thing you the, the cat was just watching like, it for a bit <laughs> and the headphones on. Just like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? All right, all right. Okay, okay, carry on. We'll pay you your attention now. Lordy. I did my best. Right, okay, right. Amy Madigan. Okay, sorry. Uh, I'll go back. Uh, I just found the next animation. (laughs) Everybody look directly at Bruce now, please. Yeah, everyone pay attention. Cat. You little cat on the floor, pay attention. Okay, sorry. Um, Where should I start from? Should I start from uh, talking about cast? We're not going to delete any of this, see me? Yeah, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep Amy Madigan, bring some energy to it. Go for right, it. Right, okay. I'm going to start with, uh, I'll just talk about Kevin Costner. So, um, and what's, we're not keeping this in, right? Are oh, we? yeah, we're keeping this in. Most of it, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this is staying. <laughs> so, uh, okay, then. Um, so, yeah, Kevin Costner. I'll start, I'll start with Kevin Costner again. Kevin Costner's like, he's, he's fantastic in his film. He's like, he's quiet. He's quite understated in it, but he needs to be. So often, you know, some people sort of say Kevin Costner's bland, but I think that's pretty unfair. 
Two minutes in. I'm quite happy to jump in on cast at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Shit. going to start with Kevin Costner again. Go again, go again. Okay. <laughs> Take two. Take two. Right. You can go from the start of your argument if you want. I'll, I'll start with Kevin Costner. Okay. Take three. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. You ready? Fuck me, Brucey. Shut up. Right. Take four. Right, Kevin Costner is really understated in this film, and it works perfectly because he sort of needs that. His his wife, Amy Madigan, is really energetic and bouncy throughout the entire thing. Uh, she's perfect. She sort of, and they have that great relationship where he's really um, low key throughout the entire thing, and she's she keeps the energy going throughout the throughout it. Um, also, Kevin Costner's got this sort of like innocent childishness to, to, throughout, which you sort of need because with the whole film that 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 works uh, perfectly. As well as this, you've got Ke- you've got Kevin Costner, Amy Mandigan, you also got James Earl Jones, who just does an absolutely brilliant performance. He's a perfect curmudgeon, and he, he sort of picks up another theme of dreams being lost, dreams being found. Does it absolutely brilliantly. And on top of that, you've also got Ray Liotta, who's just absolutely brilliant in this film as well, and adds another little piece to the puzzle of this perfect ensemble cast. You know, he's 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 again quite understated, but he delivers his lines well, and he's got that he he sort of does look a little bit like a, a baseball player from the, you know the nineteen you know the nineteen twenty early nineteen twenties. He's he's absolutely brilliant, and then. Just when you didn't think it could get any better, Burt Lancaster comes in, providing like the best gravitas. He's just what a last performance for Burt Lancaster. It's just such a good performance for him to have finished on. And uh, he's got that great grandfatherly uh, role, you know, for, uh, for throughout it. I just think the cast in this is perfect and it helps just such a beautiful story that it's told so well by those people. Thank you very much, Alex. A uh, couple of questions. Um, question number one. Would you say Kevin Costner was quite bland? Uh, no, I'd say people sometimes accuse him of being quite bland, and I don't think it's fair. Okay, I think people misinterpret him being bland as actually he's just understated and, and not and not overacting. Okay, and another question: Do you think Ray Liotta looked like a baseball player from the twenties because he was dressed like one? <laughs> <laughs> you might now you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did, yeah, maybe. maybe. I, 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 I watched an Apollo thirteen the other, the other night, and I was like, you know what? That Tom Hanks looks like an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> was it the spacesuit? Did that help? <laughs> he had a very astronaut look about him. <laughs> okay, Dave, um, would you like to go back at Alex? Yeah, I'll, I'll chat a little about the cast. Um, first of all, I'll make a concession. James Earl Jones actually does a very good job in this. James Earl Jones is a pleasure to watch. He's a class act. And I'm not going to say anything against Burt Lancaster either. Burt Lancaster was a class act on screen, off screen, and Hollywood is all the poorer for not having Burt Lancaster around anymore. But... One thing I will say about this film is we cannot get caught up in sentimentality. This film feeds off people's sentimentality. And that is one thing that we need to be aware of. I'll come back onto this in a later, greater detail later. But in terms of this being Burt Lancaster's final film, sad as it may be, don't get caught up in that. Now, with regards to the cast, I make those two concessions. The rest of the cast, I think some of them are okay. Some of them are actually quite poor. Amy Madigan, I'll accept, is actually quite good. She does bring some much needed energy from the bland of Kevin Costner's performance. It is a very drab performance from Kevin Costner. I think it could have been much worse. It's not terrible, but it's not particularly good. 
But then these might be my feelings on Kevin Costner in general. I think he's a great movie star, a superb movie star. You know, in the late 80s through to the mid-90s, he was one of the biggest movie stars on the planet, and deservedly so. There's something very watchable about him. But when it comes to his actual acting ability, it's not crime of the century that he's not got an Oscar. Alex? No, he's he's absolutely perfect if he should have got an Oscar. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You'll have your chance to reboot. He, I, he put his hand up I in fairness. Up, he, he, was all, me, he was very civil me. about okay, it. Pay this, attention, Judge. <laughs> uh, I don't think we need to listen to it anymore. To be honest, well done, Dave, on your victory. <laughs> no, you know he always gets this thing of um, not being a good actor. He, I think he's a very generous actor. I think he lets other people in the do scenes. all the work for him. No, he's, no, he's no. Not, I don't think Kevin Costner is a bad actor, but I really don't think he's that good. To be honest with you, I've, you know I've seen him in The Untouchables, in JFK. I've seen him in many good oh, films. JFK, come on, Dave. I've seen him in many good films, and his performance isn't the stellar piece of it. You know, even though he's often the leading man his performance is often quite like you say understated yeah. sometimes that's good sometimes it's not sometimes it it's just it's gray his performance can just be gray and feel the dreams this is a bit of a gray performance there are moments there's the odd scene where you think you know what he's done an okay job there but otherwise throughout the film he just kind of goes around days almost literally with his nose in a book citing off baseball law that no one really cares about and even his wife's kind of tuning him out as she wanders around you know it's a, yeah but not because because she she's bored because she's bored she thinks it's boring <laughs> but no okay Kevin Costner not a great performance I have to say uh, I didn't think Ray Liotta was fantastic in this as soon as he comes onto the pitch the first time you see him he just looks confused and I thought okay you know he's come back from the dead he's a ghost he's been resurrected he's on a baseball field and he's thinking can I play you know i i in real life um shoeless joe jackson who he's playing got banned after the uh, the black Sox scandal in 1919 was never allowed to play baseball again so he's kind of come back he's like can i play baseball in the afterlife now and he's like oh, i i understand his confusion but that confused look just stays with him for the rest of the film and doesn't really change and he just kind of it's like ray liotta in almost goodfellas mode which he would go on to do almost immediately after fill the dreams where he's almost intimidating at times and that's why the director Cass Ray Liotti said he looks nothing like Joe Jackson um he doesn't even hit the right way you know as far as authenticity goes uh they sent him off to a baseball academy Ray Liotta to uh, to really learn his swing so he looked like a professional baseball player all the time neglecting the fact that um shooters Joe Jackson was left-handed Ray Liotta is right. So any attempts at authenticity to, re to portray Shoeless Joe Jackson, it goes right out of the window. Anyone who cares enough to notice whether his swing's any good, anyone who cares enough about baseball to notice his swing is going to know that Shoeless Joe that Jackson, the left-handed hitter who influenced Babe Ruth, was left-handed. And Ray Liotta swinging from the right. Of the audience. Well, they, what was the point of sending him to Academy in the first place? Also, um, he wore shoes throughout. So. And he also wore <laughs> shoes throughout. You know, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Jackson though, so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but also, Shoeless Joe Jackson, like I made a bit of a stab of it before when Gav was saying whose who's voice shall he read the uh, synopsis in. Shoeless Joe Jackson was meant to be from South Carolina. That is not a Southern accent. That is Ray Liotta in Bronx mode. Still, you know, I don't think he really didn't put much energy into this. I mean, I understand why. He actually, Ray Liotta's never actually seen Field of Dreams. He never wanted to see it um, because he had some stuff going on in his personal life and he wasn't interested in, in seeing the film. But I think you can tell he's kind of distracted. And I don't want to slam Ray Liotta for that. You know, they had some stuff going on, but he does seem distracted. And this isn't a great performance. And he hasn't seen it still. I can understand not seeing it like at the premiere. <laughs> but, well, that's been about 25 no, years. No, still later. doesn't want to see it. Still doesn't want to see it. Um, I think the rest of the sport cast... Are and 
and are quite poor, to be honest. I think it's just really Lancaster and Jones that, that fly the flag here. I think um, the support cast, the other baseball players, like you got Art Lafleur and Steve Easton, uh, a bit bland, to be honest with you. I can't really connect with those characters. I think Timothy Busfield, who plays Mark, who's, I think, uh, Kevin Costner's brother-in-law, is a pantomime villain. I've used that term before, and I use it again now. It's... He's not a very convincing villain for the piece. I know he's not meant to be like the ultimate bad guy. He's meant to have his reformation at the end. He's meant to come around to Kevin Costner's way of thinking. But it was still not a particularly good performance. It was just being nasty for nasty's sake. It's like you almost wanted to boo and hiss him. Just the cast, I think there were some gems, but for the most part, I just don't think the cast came together. They weren't all they could have been. Okay. Uh, So, Dave, um, are you telling me that Ray Liotta didn't look like a 1920s baseball player. I think he looked like Ray Liotta in a Halloween costume. Oh, right. Okay. And right. Just, just to get there, just, just so I'm sure about this. You said that Kevin Costner is bland. I'd say he is bland. I'd say he's uh, quite bland, quite gray. You know, uh, they originally wanted Tom Hanks for this role. Mm. And I read that and I thought, ah, that would have been a better film. I really would. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Joel, um, right, we're going to hear your opinions now, just to give you a bit of a recap. Uh, Brucey said that uh, Kevin Costner isn't bland and that Ray Liotta looks like a baseball player. Jesus Dave Christ. said... Brucey said that um, it's an iconic film, it's very classic, and there's some really great performances in there, especially from um, James L. Jones and Bert Lancaster. Uh, Captain Dave agrees with that. It sounds very much like he wants to be the meat in a James L. Jones and Bert <laughs> Lancaster sandwich. Who doesn't? Uh, but he said that it's too sentimental. It's always trying to tug on the heartstrings. I'd just leave the cat alone, to be honest, Dave. <laughs> it's just grouchy because he needs some food. Uh, and some of the performances in it are really bad, especially uh Kevin Costner is very bland. What would you have to say to this, Joel? Tell me right now. <laughs> well, in in the same way that was said in the past, um, the Brad Pitt just plays Brad Pitt. I think Kevin Costner falls into the, that category of he, he is just pretty much Kevin Costner in, in every single film. Um, and in this one, I thought exactly the same thing. Like he was just, he, he's one of those actors who just doesn't show emotion very well. He, he's just got like this one face and, and it's the same all the way through. Um, that said, like I'm not going to be that much help on the rest of the kind of cast because when I watched it, I was just totally indifferent. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I just it was just in front of me. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's just one of those things where you know you, you just watch the film and it's just like oh it's over. So it, probably not a glowing review, but I didn't think they were terrible either. Would you say that Kevin Costner is the Hollywood version of you, Joel? Um, if by that you mean hugely successful um, as loads of women, then possibly. Okay, right. Um, so, uh, right, we're up to second base here, guys. Uh, I'm going to hand the bat over to Captain Dave, who is going to, um, I don't know, I can't think of any baseball terms, swing and a miss. Step up to the plate. <laughs> swing and a miss. I'll, I'll step up to the plate. Right, okay, Dave. And I'll, well, I'll do my best for a home run. Right, um, okay, so what I want to talk about, I hinted at it before when Alex was talking about Burt Lancaster, this being his final film role. That is sad to think about, that this would be his last final film role. But you can't get caught up in the sentimentality of it. And that is one thing this film feeds upon, thrives upon and feeds upon. It's the sentimentality. So if you look at it, it's 
it's when you're talking about I was reading some reviews okay I was read uh, a few reviews about this because I'd never seen this film before up until the point where I knew we had to do it for the podcast I'd never seen it I watched it and I had these great visions in my head of what it was going to be. People said this was like the male version of The Notebook. You know, they said this is a really emotional, really powerful film. I didn't get any of that. So I looked into it. I read a few of these reviews online. I went on Rotten Tomatoes, I went on IMDb, and I had to listen to what some of the critics had to say. Now, those that loved it also cited in their reviews their own relationships with their fathers. There was a real personal criterion to be met to enjoy this film to the extent that some of these critics did. And that's what I know. I know Alex is, is looking at Gav like, <laughs> but no, I, I, the, a lot of the review, not all of them, obviously, but the, quite a few of the reviews, they all mentioned their own relationships with their fathers. And it was just kind of like, okay, so maybe there is a personal criteria you need to meet to really get to the heart of this film. And maybe that's why I couldn't get it. I really did not feel anything. Maybe I need to give a damn about baseball. I just don't. I feel it's very centered for the American market. You know, the bit where he's talking about, Oh, what kind of a kid doesn't want to go out and play catch with his dad. It's just, I never played catch with my dad, but then we don't have baseball as one of our main national sports. So I feel there's something lacking. I think there's maybe if we were doing this podcast over in America and if we were Americans, we might be able to feel something a little more. I don't think this is an international film. I don't think it has international appeal. There's other bits in this film that really rub me up the wrong way. It, it seems preposterous at points. The way the script flows, the way the plot flows, it, it doesn't make sense. There's bits where he's, um, when he gets, he gets the first message, you know, um, build it and he will come. And Kevin Costner just interprets that as, I've got to build a baseball field. No real explanation as to why he feels he has to take on this costly and lengthy procedure to build a baseball field in, in his back garden. I mean, I suppose that's the fantasy element of the film, that's the dream element of it. You just go along with the flow. But this keeps happening throughout the film, and there's no real explanation for it. Uh, when he, has, he gets another message from the world beyond, ease his pain. And within five minutes, he's made a very tenuous link between ease his pain. This must be Terrence Mann, who's James Earl Jones's character. It's like, he must be talking about him. It's like, whoa, did, just because there's a debate on at the local high school about whether kids should have Terrence Mann's books on the syllabus, that's a very tenuous link. I don't know how. I wouldn't have made that link. I don't know how he's done that. And it's just, it, this, it takes these big leaps and just expects you to go along with it. Doesn't really explain them for you. Doesn't really fill in the gaps. And there are many gaps. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. There's still theories about field dreams people saying was terence mann dead from the start you know when terence mann uh, gets invited into the cornfield towards the end of the film you know i watched it first time around i thought okay so that's james Earl jones's character dying at that point that's his death when he goes into the into the field people have said no he was dead long before that he was a ghost throughout the whole thing but then i'm like but then how does he order a hot dog at the ball game how does he interact with kevin costa's brother-in-law who can't see the ghost until karen's accident kevin's daughter only then does he start to believe and see and see the ghosts on the field. So it's, it didn't really make sense. And it, the whole film doesn't really make sense. It gets quite preposterous. And I think one thing I want to drive home is that this film wasn't what it could have been. This film could have been something special if they just altered the story a bit, you know, and I don't often say this normally because they stayed very true to a WP Kinsella's original book. And I get it. You know, I, I see it is very distracting when no one's paying attention to it. <laughs> Are you purposely watching no, the football no, guys? No, 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 no. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm writing notes here about your defense. I'm going to draw a big cross through this. Sorry, sorry. And I'm, uh, I'm That's go- all right. Go- That's go- all right. 
Right, right, I've got it. I've got it. Was too true to the book. Needs to, and then you started babbling. So uh, I, was I started babbling. I was one hundred percent listening to. Okay, you, but, yeah. okay. With regards to the book by W. P. Kinsella, in the original novel, the role of Terence Mann wasn't Terence Mann. It was J. D. Salinger. And the producers thought, we have to rewrite this. We can't put Salinger in the movie because he will sue us to hell and back, which he was known to do. He was a very private man, didn't want to be brought up. He, didn't, he had a bit of a problem with the book in the first place. He was a character in someone else's book. He objected to that, so they thought, there is no way we can portray him on screen. So they had to rewrite the character and bring Terrence Mann into it. But one thing that, it, this is an article I read, um, for actually from a baseball fan's website. Um, they did an article about Fill the Dreams for baseball fans. And the guy hated it. This guy was an avid baseball fan. He says, this is the worst baseball film I've ever seen. And he said, one thing that really actually offended him was the fact that they used James Earl Jones to deliver a speech that Salinger delivered in the book. And it's a speech where he says, you know, one constant thing throughout all the years has been baseball. America has been rolled like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. And he said that speech, because it's coming from James Earl Jones, is actually quite insensitive now. One thing that the director wanted that he says his big regret when he looks back on Fill the Dreams and why he doesn't like it is that he wishes he could have included some black players on the Fill the Dreams. And I have to agree, uh, to be honest with you, not because of any sense of diversity. I know the film came out in 1989, but for terms of I can't get behind these baseball players that were banned, they took bribes. The 1999 Black Sox scandal, they took bribes and um, fixed the game. And I don't feel that sorry for him. It's like, yeah, you got lifetime bans. Yeah, you were stopped from playing the sport you loved, but you did something really wrong. I kind of understand that. The director said it would have been a better film if he could have gone to black players that weren't allowed to play in the major leagues simply because of their race. And I have to agree, he's right. That would have been a better story. I could have got behind those guys. I'd have been like, yeah, build them a field, let them play major league baseball finally in the afterlife. But that didn't happen. And that's his big regret that he didn't tweak the story from the original novel and make it about those guys instead. And he's, and this guy, uh, what was his name? Stephen Goldman, who wrote this article on the baseball website, says that having a black man in James Old jones recount kind of wistfully about the golden age of baseball when men like him and men of his color would not have been allowed to play is kind of a slap in the face it says it whitewashes over baseball's quite dark past baseball was quite apartheid and it just the film and the book just neatly sidestep this quite black spot on baseball's history when it said that they could have made a much better film had they addressed it in just in passing even if not made a whole film about it so, in, in conclusion, the film was not all it could have been. It could have been so much more. Well, thank you very much, Dave. Uh, I've got a lot of notes there. Um, definitely not a swing and a miss. Um, uh, uh, batter up. <laughs> uh, okay, so, um, Alex, right? Dave said that it's too sentimental. And he said, uh, maybe you'd like the film if you had a knowledge of baseball or a good relationship with your dad. Or a bad I think my relationship with that is too good. <laughs> if you had a poor relationship, maybe you'd get this film a little more. Dave, would you maybe have enjoyed the film if it was about uh, the boy and his dad um, driving to Asda on a Sunday and getting a shopping? I could relate more to that, to be honest with you. Yeah, and then disagreeing about football in the evening. You know? uh, okay. Uh, so, Alex, um, what is your argument for that? Uh, would you like to step up to the plate I can't, oh. well i don't say oh because they robbed it off dave <laughs> <laughs> actually ozzy would you do us a favor and delete dave saying it earlier and make it look like, okay, okay, thanks okay. i'll have a laugh after you've said it as well 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I am going to come back uh, on a few things uh, Dave said there. So Dave says it's a sentimental. Yes, it is. It's, it's a very sentimental film. I don't think it milks the tears too much. I think it does a good job of keeping it just on the right level. It's, it never feels like it's going too far for the tear-jerking moments. You know, it's never... There's speeches, but there's not loads and loads and loads. So I, I don't think it's overly sentimental i just think it is sentimental and there's nothing wrong with that you know i think dave's got an interesting point when he's talking about when he's talking about the black players and it being overlooked and how it could have been a better film i just think that's a different film i think that's a really interesting film i think that's a really good one but i just think that's a completely different film where you bring in race into it and yeah you know i think when dave's saying if you're talking about the history of baseball you probably should bring it in but like i said right at the beginning for me this isn't a baseball film yeah it's got it uses baseball to keep it going and, you know, for, uh, for common interests, so, you know, so you bring all these characters together. But I, I still, I'm not convinced that this is a baseball film. For me, this is a film about dreams, you know, it's it's field of dreams, you know, and it's beautifully put and very subtly put throughout the whole film. You've got, so Ray starts off when he sort of doesn't have any dreams and that's the problem. He's reached a sort of midlife crisis. He doesn't know what he wants to do. And, you know, and Dave says it's preposterous, but yeah, it's about ghosts. So that there is a bit of, that it will be preposterous and you do have to sort of go past these plot points because, yeah, it wouldn't make total sense, but it's people acting on faith. It's people acting when, you know, not in their best interests. And that, that's kind of what drives the film along at the start. It's, you know, why build this field? To know it's the crazy thing, isn't it? That's what grabs your attention right at the beginning of the film. You know, it, yes, it's preposterous, but that's what works in the film. You know, to, to keep on the theme of the dreams, you've got... Kevin Costner's dream, sorry, his, his lack of dream almost and, and doing this thing in, in, instead of it. You, then you've got James Earl Jones, who's sort of was a dreamer, you know, Terrence, the, the character of Terrence Mann, who became, you know, was an activist in the 60s and has since sort of lost his dreams, lost his way a little bit and is now, you know, like I say, a curmudgeon, just sort of his faith in humanity is gone. Um and that's brought back beautifully towards the end where he's, you know, he's, he's alive again. So actually his death, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting thing, but I think it's, I, for me, it's always been very clear in the film that James Earl Jones is alive. And then when he goes into the cornfield at the end, he, that's his death. You know, it's almost like by the time of his death, he's become alive again. You know, and I think, just think that's a beautiful, you know, I get, get little goosebumps thinking about it now. Burt Lancaster's fantastic. I love, I love Burt Lancaster in this film so much. And it's not just his performance. It's not just looking at his Burt Lancaster face. It's that he, I, I love his, you know, he, he says he doesn't want to join the baseball team and they're going, why? And, you know, because he says basically, yes, I could have been a baseball. And they're like, well, what, you know, don't you have regrets about not being the best baseball player ever? And he goes, no, because I was a doctor. And it's just that thing of like, yeah, you know, it brings a little bit of, yes, it's sentimental, but it brings a bit of like grounds the film a little bit. Like, oh yeah, no, it's baseball. You know, yeah, it's, it's just baseball. This guy's been a doctor. This has had a proper life. You know, he's, he's got the priorities right. And at the end, when, they, when his little girl falls off the stand and he crosses the line and he becomes old again and then he fixes her and he can't go back. It's just amazing bit. It's just really, really, really well done. Sentimental, yes, but beautiful and touching. So, I, you know, I've got, no, I've got nothing wrong with sentimentality when it's done with a good heart. And this film has such a good heart throughout it all you know it, it really does uh, so for me I, I that 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 would be my rebuttal today right okay <clears throat> thank you very very much um just uh want to give uh brucey some points on using the word curmudgeon which uh 
haven't heard for a long time. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Good <laughs> word use, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, um, so uh, Joel, right? Dave says that it's too sentimental. Alex says, yeah, but it's beautifully done and it's very touching. Um, Dave says that there's too many gaps, there's no explanations. And Alex says, yeah, but it's about ghost Jadivi, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing here, by yeah, the way. Boiling your arguments. Um, Dave says that it could have been a more, um, I suppose, passionate and better film if it would have been about African-American players who weren't able to play, as opposed to white players who had accepted bribes and were banned from the sport because he felt Criminals, like... Criminals, Gav. Criminals. <laughs> because he felt like he couldn't get behind them. Alex said, yeah, that would have been a nice film, but that's not the film that we've got here. We've got to judge it on its own merit. And it's not just about baseball. It's about the family unit as well. So what would you like to say to that? I think it's hard to say because I agree with some points that Dave made. And, you know, I can only speak personally, but this film obviously wasn't made for people like me. Um, and when I say that, I mean... I don't care at all about baseball. And although Brucey said, you know, it's not a baseball film, I think baseball runs, you know, throughout. That is the theme of the film. Um, Maybe if you looked at it as American Rounders instead. (laughs) That's a good point, Gavin. It's a totally different film for me now. Uh, (laughs) um, But, you know, know, like I was just saying there, I just found it very hard to to really care about it. And I did feel like they were kind of preying almost on emotions with a lot of the um, kind of themes within the film, trying to kind of make you care about certain characters or, you know, certain developments and things like that. Um, and again, just like I said, I was just very indifferent all the way through. Like, if you liked baseball and, you know, you were very emotional about the sport and you are American, then maybe some of these things might touch you. But for me, when I was watching it, it, it just didn't really happen. I wasn't, like, watching it absolutely hating the film, but all the themes and things like that, that it's obviously meant to, you know, kind of show you just didn't come across to me. Well, thank you very much. Uh, so Joel says that he watched the film um, aching to be touched, but it never came. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex, Alex, uh, would you say that this film um, has um, come right out of the Richard Curtis school of tear milking? Don't even dare. <laughs> Don't you even dare. Richard right. Curtis doesn't know sentimentality. Jesus. Don't. Right, okay, right. I'll tell you what, guys, right? What we're going to do now is we're going to have a little quiz, right? Okay, so it'll give me some time to think about all the things that you've said before you have a closing argument. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, give yourself some time. Um, Right, okay, so uh, this week's um, quiz. Okay, I've got a a good song for this one, guys. You're going to like this one. Are you ready? Okay. A field of dreams are made of these Building grounds for baseball teams Talking to ghosts in an empty field Everybody will come if you build it (laughs) Nice, that's actually very good Okay, right, so guys, in this quiz I want you all to separate um, or distinguish Which of these uh, answers is um, a baseball team A crazy named American baseball team or a cinematic street gang in a quiz that I like to call assault or battery <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, Alex first up um, 
the Yard Goats, assault or battery? <laughs> so, so it's a baseball team or a gang? Oh yes, baseball team or a cinematic street gang? The Yard Goat. Uh, I'm going to go with cinematic street. Oh, gang. so assault, which is gang or battery, which is baseball. Ah, baseball, got it. Sorry, okay. Me while assault. Okay, no, uh, that's a that's a gang. Yeah, yeah. going with yeah. gangs. Oh, okay, gang. Gang. okay, okay, gang. Are you telling me the? Ra- <laughs> 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 no, because you said, ah, yeah, baseball assault. I'm going to say battery. Assault. Uh, battery. Okay, uh, right, it is battery. Oh. Okay, so they're a minor league baseball team from Hartford, Connecticut. Okay, so number two, the Jesters. Assault or battery? Um, battery. I'm going to say battery. Assault. Assault. Oh, well done, Joel and Ozzy. It is assault. They're a street gang from the TV show Starsky and Hutch. Oh. Okay, uh, number three, the Wizards. Salt or battery? Battery. 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 Oh, swing and a miss. Dave, I'm disappointed, to be honest. This is a street gang from the TV show Justified. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I don't talk like that anymore. (laughs) Okay, number four, the Barons. Assault or battery? Uh, Battery. I'm going to keep with it. They're salt? Assault. Battery. It is battery. Uh, a minor league baseball team from Birmingham, Alabama. That does not know what they sound like in Birmingham, Alabama. Sorry. In Birmingham, Alabama. Is that better? Okay, number five. The terrifyingly named Biscuits. Biscuits. Assault or battery? Biscuits, uh, assault, battery. I can't see a street gang being called the Biscuits. The base, the baseball Biscuits, so uh, I'm going to go with assault as well. It'd scare me. <laughs> uh, battery. Yeah, because the, 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 the tagline is, you're taking the biscuit. <laughs> no, it's actually a, 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 yeah, a, a baseball team. Shit. Minor league baseball team from Montgomery, Alabama. The biscuits. Okay, number six, something I'm very passionate about and donate money to every month. It's the snow leopards. Assault or battery? Um, assault. 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 Hey, Dave, why is it assault? I'm not sure, but I've got a feeling I'm about to find out. <laughs> the living daylights. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I yeah. don't even remember that. Oh, right, okay, yeah. <laughs> right, it is the salt, yeah. And number seven, okay, equally terrifying, the flying squirrels. Salt or battery? <laughs> battery. 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 The salt. Oh, sorry, Ozzy, it's battery. Minor League Baseball from uh, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, number eight, the headhunters. Assault. I want to say assault. It feels right. Battery. Uh, assault. Uh, okay, so it, it is assault. Uh, it's from G.I. Joe. And the last one we've got here is the Chihuahuas. Uh, battery. Battery. Assault. Assault. Oh, sorry there, Joel and Ozzy. It is battery. They are from El Paso, Texas. Um, also, I've got a few more here that I just want to reel off because they're so fucking hilarious. And um, we've got the Lake Monsters, uh, which are from the Vermont. These are baseball teams. Yeah, these are all baseball teams. The River Cats from Sacramento. Uh, from Jacksonville, we've got the Jumbo Shrimp. And the, my favorite one from New Orleans, we've got 
the baby cakes the baby cakes yeah, the lovely. baby cakes right okay well thank you very much for that guys yeah well done well done i mean i, I haven't kept scores since we started doing the podcast so but i think you did all right i was i was waiting to hear the baseball themed street gang from the warriors come up with that at some point but... oh yeah yeah no, I, I, was, I was i was going to but i thought that might be too obvious so uh, yeah well done um okay right so um i should have said uh, baseball or street gang <laughs> wow! And then we have to guess if that's a baseball bat or a. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, right, guys, I'm going to give you both a minute to do your closing statements. Right. So, I think I'm going to go with um, Dave. Okay. So, this is your chance. Step up to the plate. Try and get a home run. Okay. You've got a minute, starting from now. Okay, Alex says this film has a good heart. Ultimately, you've got to remember that at the end of the film, commercialism wins the day. All the people come to the farm to give them money. You know, it's not about the heart. It's not about the dream. The end of the film ends with them making money, and that's what this film thrives upon. The heart isn't there. The sentimentality is, and it's droves. The film feeds upon it. It really does. But at the end of the day, what you've got here, you've got some mediocre performances, a couple of gems, and you've got a film that does its best, that means well, I think. But even the writer gave it four out of five stars. The director has major regrets about making it and at the end of the day the film rides on the coattails of sentimentality it's one it has one memorable quote that it has written on for so many years and along the way it just indulges in hypocrisy and to be honest with you it whitewashes over quite a dark history of baseball with quite whimsical and wistful sentiments it's yeah, obviously. Dave, do us a favour, man. Just uh, get, get, go the whole minute, would you? Hang <laughs> <laughs> on, I haven't even finished writing down your points. Right, uh, right Alex, uh, well, you've got a minute. I'm going to try and write down Dave's points while you deliver it. So, uh, no, okay, right. So your minute starts from now. This is an absolute classic of a film. It's an iconic film. Everyone knows Field of Dreams, and there's a good reason to it. Yes, it's sentimental, but it's in, in a really good way. Dave, I think Dave's unfair to say that it's about commercialism at the end. That's just a little bit. They've sacrificed so much that the idea that they're going to be financially okay just ends the film off well. It's not about commercialism at all. Uh, the, the film's absolutely beautiful. The things that are said, like, you know, um, if you build it, they, he, he will come, and at the end, ease his pain. When you get to know what ease his pain means, it's not sentimental at all. It's a really really touching moment and you know for people who've uh, you know who've, who've, who've had you know ever had problems then you know between family members they know that this film is really touches on it perfectly um i'm not american i don't like baseball but i love this film it's an absolute classic and it does not de- de- belong on anything called a shit list <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you've still got like uh, seven seconds don't put it on the shit list <laughs> still got some time yeah Please, please don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you very much, Alex. Especially like the point where you told us that you're not American all these years, man. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, yeah, thank you very, very much, guys. You know, the, um, I, I think, Joel, right, if I could ask you, Joel, um, can you sum up this film in one word in an American accent, please? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was worth waiting for. <laughs> I see. Just out of curiosity, have you seen this film? I have. I watched it last night. Holy shit! Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Uh, I tell you what, I'll come to you in a minute. Uh, <laughs> right. So, um, 
Yeah, you know what? This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I, I think I saw the film a long, long time ago. I remember some aspects of it. Um, I obviously didn't watch it again because of, of the judging role. I wanted to you know, listen to your arguments. Um, some very, very good arguments there, to be honest. Um, Alex, you said, you know, it was an, it's an iconic film with a beautifully balanced cast. You both agreed that James L. Jones and Bert Lancaster are really great. You heavily disagreed on Kevin Costner's performance, though. Dave, you said he's a great movie star, but he just isn't a good actor. Um, and he actually kind of draws the screen away from other people with his blandness. Um, Dave, you said it was too sentimental full of plot holes and there's just too many gaps you said they had the opportunity to be a good film but it decided to kind of whitewash over a black spot in american baseball history alex you said that you're looking too much into it you know it's essentially that's not what the film's about the film is based on a book and the book is about this certain team and you know it's not too sentimental because it's not just about baseball it's about the family unit Difficult one, difficult one. To be honest, I don't particularly like baseball. I don't mind it, but, you know, it's it's, it's all right. Um, oh, it's, oh, you know what? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to give it to Dave. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I've just based it just on the performances, but, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, but feel the dream. <laughs> <laughs> feel the dreams is going on the shit list. <laughs> Why were you applauding? Uh, because uh, because Dave did such a, such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you, Gavin. I know, I know. Honestly, you know, it, it wasn't like I, it, you know. I'm going to be honest here. You know, normally I'm, I'm mean to people all the time, but Alex, I think you did a very good job. It wasn't like it's on the shit list because you give a poor performance. Mm. I just, I think Dave's arguments. Um, I, I, you know, just as you were saying, you know, it's it's about that same team, and you can't really get behind them. I really couldn't. I really couldn't. You know, I, I think I would find that difficult as well. And, and when you add the fact that Ray Liotta and Kevin Costner are two like the main stars in it, and they aren't like the best performers, oh. that would kind of draw it away from me. <laughs> Should we, we hear what Alex really thought? Go on, Alex. Heard. What is your genuine opinion on Field of Dreams? So, like, I'm not like right. I'll, I'll be honest. I loved that film growing up. Absolutely loved it. I watched it about a year ago, and it, it just wasn't as good as I remember. But it still shouldn't be on the shit list. And uh, <laughs> Kevin Costner's a fucking brilliant actor. He really is, and I, I think he's he gets a hard time of it. Um, I think I think you've sort of missed the theme of the film if you're worried about it whitewashing. I think the film, you know, the film's talking about forgiveness. So, yeah, the team did a wrong thing, but the whole film's about forgiving people. And I think you wanted it to be a completely different film. You know what, Alex? Maybe you should have said that in your argument. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dave, a genuine opinion? Um, genuine opinion, it was okay, I guess. I'd heard such great things. I'd never seen this film before. I watched it for the first time when we were doing this podcast, and I'd heard such great things about it. I was underwhelmed. I really was. A lot of what I said, I genuinely mean. I mean, I, I hyped it up a bit. I went a little more for the jugular than perhaps I would in reality. But doesn't sound like you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, yeah, it, it left me cold to be honest with you. It didn't have the impact I thought it would, and maybe its reputation preceded it. I'm not sure, but I, and I, I do mean what I say. I could not get behind those baseball players. I just didn't care if they got to play baseball again in the afterlife. There was, like the director said, there was a better story out there. You know, guys that really should have had the opportunity and weren't given it. So I think, yeah, it could have been a better film. 
And I do stand by what I said about Kevin Costner. I'm afraid that was not all, uh, that wasn't mm. bullshit. <laughs> uh, Joel, I think you've been quite honest throughout. Um, Austin, uh, you've actually seen the film, which yeah. is surprising. So what did you think of it? Uh, so I watched it for the first time last night, yeah. And um, I thought it was all right. It was fine. It took, it took about half an hour before I really... Knew it was about baseball. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought it, it felt just, just very American, like Dave was saying. It's hard to get behind something. Same with Joel, hard to get behind something that you don't follow, you're not into... Uh, it was it was fine. Well, I, just, I don't think it was a hit. I yeah. also don't think it is shit. Yeah, I, yeah, I ultimately, whether win or lose on this one, I couldn't really have cared. Oh no, I think it's I'm a kind of a bland film for me. I think I think it deserves to be on the shit list because it definitely isn't a hit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, if 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 I'd won or lost this one, I wouldn't have minded too much. It it was just like average. It's teetering on the seesaw of of average. Thing is. If you don't give a shit about the characters, it really does try and, you know, prey on your heartstrings. And if you don't give a shit, the whole film's but, just boring. But I thought it did that very well. I, 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 did, I did give a I shit about the characters. characters. Yeah, yeah. I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was great. But, like, as a film, it was nice and entertaining. But it wasn't... I'm glad I didn't pay for it. Austin, <laughs> Austin would you have preferred it if it was about a great British sport, say, like, queuing or... Putting at people when they annoy you, but not actually complaining to their face. Passive aggression. I mean, that would have been more relatable, wouldn't it? Would. Okay, right, so guys, <laughs> higher or lower than a Bronx tale? Alex? Ooh. Lower. Lower. No, lower. No. What, what was a Bronx tale again? 7.5. Oh, sorry, 7.8. Oh. Uh, higher. Higher? Lower. Lower. Lower? I think, I think it's still incredibly high, but I think it's lower. Well, I did actually give uh, the um, the score out just before I said, so uh, Bronx Tale is 7.8 and Field of Dreams is 7.5. So. Not much in it, just lower. Not much, not I did much. See, uh, I saw on Rotten Tomatoes when I uh, clicked it last night, it said uh, 86% or something, so... Mm. Yeah, maybe that's just because may- maybe a lot of the people voting it from America or whatever, but... Or, or you're, it's still incredibly you're, high. You're all wrong and I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and just before we wrap things up here, guys, uh, we've got the good old caption contest. Okay, so um, I put forward a picture of Kevin Costner uh, walking aimlessly through a field, um, perhaps having a dream, a daydream, maybe. Um, so uh, here's a few of the captions that we've got here. All you guys have got to do is pick the funniest and the winner will win a Freddo. Yeah, that's right. A chocolatey drop of heaven will arrive at their doorstep. <laughs> okay, right. Okay, number one. Okay. Everything we kept coming up with is corny. Oh. Okay. Uh, number two. True, though. Uh, number two. This is a, a quote, so quotation marks. Uh, you said my career is in here? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, number three. Uh, oh, that, that, I think that's it. To be honest, yeah, Ooh. no, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's that's it. So, what have we got there, guys? Number two. Yeah, I like corny, but I think it was funnier. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, that's one of my friends from work uh, who submitted that. So, congratulations, Steph. Uh, well mm-hmm. done. I will uh, bring in a Freddo for you. Uh, sorry, sorry for shouting bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Did no. trivia this week? Or? Yes, I do have trivia this week. Um, so, is it that Kevin Costner's Costner's shit? <laughs> I'm not going to tell he you. He has now. reported. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Do now. it for the listeners. You say sorry about Kevin Costner, right? Hey, hey, Kevin Costner has reportedly got a very large penis. Then 
There you go, there's a compliment for <laughs> yeah, Kevin I Costner. I, I, I don't think if Kevin Costner finds out there's five wankers from Liverpool, I don't think he's any good. I don't think he's going to lose any sleep. No, yeah, he's, he'll be fine. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my um, trivia is that the field that when they were making it was made in summer and they imported the turf they wanted it to be perfect but the grass didn't catch and it died so actually the grass that's on there they had to paint it green so it's dead grass but it's all painted oh my word that's really cool Okay, um, and has everyone seen the news that the field from Field of Dreams has actually been vandalised? Yeah, yes. just last week. Yeah, yeah, last week, yeah, yeah. Good on him. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Kevin Costner, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, James Earl Jones hates baseball. It could have been him. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, so while this film, uh, sorry, while this trial has been going on, we have actually picked next week's film out of the hat, and it is, oh, it's a good one, guys, it is Leon. Um, so, mm. Le Professionnel, uh, I think that's how the French would say it, um, mm. or maybe Lyon. Um, but uh, so we've picked the roles at random, and uh, oh, yeah, here we go. So, we've got some good ones here. In the role of judge is going to be Joel, okay? In the role of prosecution is going to be me. Ooh. And in the role of defense, we've got Dave, and okay. the role of character witness that leaves you. Alex. So, um, without uh, further hesitation, I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. Just uh, want to thank you all for listening so far. Uh, we really do appreciate all the likes and shares and subscribes that we've had. You can catch all of our previous shows and all of our future ones on our spiffing website, uh, www.filmsontrial.co.uk. Also, give us a follow on Twitter, at Film Trials. There you can suggest films for us to put into the hat. We are taking more requests so please do um, and also while you're there why don't you give our good friends Austin Ray and Winston Sang a follow they are at Aussie Ray and at the underscore quirks respectively also check out our Facebook page YouTube page and Instagram page Films on Trial all of them uh, so I just want to say we will be in your ears next week with Leon until then thank you very much and goodbye <laughs>